The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Geeks, and welcome to another edition of Wizards Half. This is mini episode 87.5. These are the episodes where we get into all the nitty gritty details we didn't have time for on the main episode. I'm Adam. And I'm Mike. Good to be back here. There was so much I felt like we wanted to be talking about in this issue, and I feel like we got to a lot of it with Jay, but when you have a guest, it's fun to just let the conversation go where it's going to go, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's interesting, like, just like the, the pro wrestling, the kiss, all this thing. Mike's on the sidelines like, guys, huh? Yes, it, it really wasn't an episode that was catered to me at all. Yeah, I get to experience the things I ignored, like kiss. I I, sh- I realized maybe I shouldn't have ignored it all these years. Yeah, so he's, he's slowly making his way through a playlist that we put together for him. So he'll be able to, you know, decide for himself all these years later, is there one Kiss album to pick up. I'm going to recommend probably the album Revenge or Carnival of Souls, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, Mike. So to get things started here, you know, one of the things we promised now on the half episodes is that we're going to have the last man standing battles. Last issue, very disappointing. We're calling shenanigans <laughs> on Wizard by pitting the darkness against Witchblade. In fact, other people when we posted it said the same thing. So not a good idea. They thought it was a good idea, but they were going to be disappointed as fans. But this time around, they've really given us that imaginary battle that we want. And this is Mephisto versus Malbolgia. So the two lords of hell, right? Coming after each other, a fiery battle. So the art here is really cool. It's by Jim Calafiori and Peter Palmiotti. I don't know, is he Jimmy's brother? I do want to say, like, Jim Calafiori, I know you were, like, an Aquaman fan, so you know all about him. You've definitely seen his work if you were reading, you know, the oh. 90s Aquaman book and Peter David and all that. So yes. I really think this is, like, fantastic artwork in terms of just the intensity in Mephisto's face, because usually he's more, like, sly and just kind of, like, posing and preening. And here he's like, I'm throwing down with Malvolja, you know, who is... <laughs> gigantic by comparison but why don't you give us a little bit on the tale of the tape there just in this case because usually like the characters are pretty like they're humanoid and they're generally like the same size but there is a major size difference between Mephisto and Malvolja here so why don't you run it down so the height on Mephisto is 6'6 while Malvolja is 10 feet to 20 feet varies in 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 brackets there (laughs) it's just whatever todd is feeling on that day yeah Yeah. and then we got a weight of 310 pounds on mephisto which i'm like where's the weight in his feet he's such a skinny guy why why does he weigh that much and malbolgia is one to two tons so the reach is 78 inches on mephisto and the reach on malbolgia is 120 inches to 240 inches is that like arm to arm are we talking i think so i think they're saying like full wingspan there yeah yeah a hometown for both is hell and syllables is three each malbolgia mephisto yeah okay we're good and teeth 28 versus 208 
stuff is that's a good one. <laughs> so many teeth on that bulge yeah. in there. But I, I think that varies as well. Let's be real. It should say a hundred to two hundred. Depends on if his jaw is extending all the way, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's see what they thought in terms of who is gonna win in this battle, how it was gonna go down. So they say arriving unannounced in Malbolgia's chambers, Mephisto would hover before Malbolgia as the two lords of hell try and trick the other into revealing some weakness. Growing impatient with Mephisto's insolence, Malbolgia would prove the aggressor, as the much smaller Mephisto focuses on evading his blows and continuing his taunts. Now enraged, Malbolgia would focus squarely on his diminutive target, which would prove his undoing. With his attentions focused so completely, Malbolgia fails to see the result of Mephisto's first trip to his realm, the marshalling of the Hellspawn to rebel against their master in exchange for Mephisto's promise to set them free. Having already weakened himself in his chase of Mephisto, Malbolgia slaughters the majority of the Hellspawn, but with his kingdom quaking around him, it's Mephisto who delivers the killing blow and begins his reign as the Dark Lord of Two Realms. And those free Hellspawns? His new army? Mephisto ain't called the Lord of Lies for nothing. <laughs> What do you think here? Is Mephisto able to uh, destroy through trickery Malvolja? This is just a story. They've just written a story. This isn't actually like who would win. This is my issue with it, right? Like You want literally just like blow for blow. Well, I would like to know if Mephisto is smarter than maybe, yeah, he could do something. I just don't understand. Like they've just come up with this story. Of course, the Hellspawns are going to want to be set free by him but we don't know that like that's not <laughs> well but mike so you were reading spawn comics right yeah, yeah, now yeah. when he shows up has he ever battled anybody like because I mean, like they're not even the same size if mephisto's getting a punch in like is it gonna even register yeah, like Malbolgia is eventually killed too, right? Spawn kills him. So maybe maybe Mephisto could kill him. It's not impossible. I just get the feeling Wizard, at the time, they picked who they wanted to win. This is how I feel about every one of these. <laughs> they just they don't actually like analytically come up with a reason. Well, and to me, it's always about who has the greater history. So yeah. in this case, you know, Mephisto, he's been around forever and he's yeah, had so yeah. many different heroes that he's battled and like made deals with and whatever. Whereas Mal Bolgia, like, you know, Spawn has been around for about five years. So it's like, and I don't think Wizard, as much as they liked being connected to Todd McFarlane, the editorial staff were not fans of Image yeah. Comics. It and was kind of that. clear. Yeah. It's very clear. And that's why I think I get my backup on these sometimes. <laughs> just don't like the character and you want the marvel one to win which is fine yeah. but like it really is malbolgia versus his own hellspawn that's what this fight is they didn't make a mephisto fist pun like get you know punching with a mephisto oh i don't know <laughs> <Fist>. <laughs> come on that's bad that's adam bad. you need to go back in time and write for them <laughs> come on guys Freelance, freelance. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there is our last man standing battle for this issue. But Mike, the one thing that you pointed out as we were going through the list that was called bad company about all like the top villains was yeah. there was a sidebar called wicked wannabes a look at who didn't make the list and why so this is wizard deciding these are villains that have a name 
They have an impact, but we're not going to highlight them as being deadly or dangerous or whatever. So let's go through this list and see uh, how snarky they decide to get. <laughs> you want to kick it off? All right. First is Apocalypse, which I immediately cringe at because to me, he's he's the ultimate. This is what they said. This would-be world conqueror has taken 80,000 years to do nothing. Way to go, Blue Lips. You could say that about any of these characters. Obviously not 80,000 years, but any villain has done nothing. But I guess technically his track record should have been better. Over <laughs> wasn't he, in, he was in hibernation though, right? Uh, like how many years was he like in waiting? We don't really know what he was doing in Egypt. We haven't seen all his exploits. It's fair. Next up here is Barrett Zemo. This says, close. The last year has seen this guy kick ass, but he's still got to live down the decades of mediocrity he's lived before he makes the supervillain elite. Hmm. <laughs> I guess that's true, but like his father also has a legacy. So do you like work that in? But I mean, Captain America always yeah. beat him, but still. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm sure in the comics he was kind of a wannabe, but in the movies, I still think he's been the best villain like he that character so understated and I, I think an underrated villain in the MCU actually he yeah he really, what was the he came back for like one of the Disney plus series right didn't he Falcon I think oh. the Falcon yeah, yeah. but he, then he was goofy at that yeah. point he wasn't this like tortured the re revenge driven character anymore they all go that way eventually the mc <laughs> goofy <laughs> all right next up is brainiac uh, here's what they said regardless of what the name might imply this cheesy serial villain has done so much of nothing we wonder how he made this backup list that's interesting i i'm wondering what is brainiac's like greatest triumph prior to like you know the 21st century like was there a time he he really messed up superman's life or no I, yeah, I'm trying to... There was a great Jeff Johns, Gary Frank run in Action Comics where Brainiac is just super scary and super weird. But I don't remember... I, I, I'm having trouble remembering what the story was now and if it had any lasting effect, but it, I remember him actually feeling menacing at that point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like once you like get beyond 2000, they really started like amping up how bad the DC villains could be. So yeah. next one here, Green Goblin. They don't specify which. You know, we did the CBIQ. We had all that <laughs> trivia about who had been, who had not been the Green Goblin. Says, fun to watch fly around and throw pumpkins, but not a heavyweight. And I guess that's I true. Agree. He's not a conqueror or anything like Dr. Doom, even though he's like of that era. He just exists. And psychologically to Peter Parker, he's yes. a problem. I do want to say, though, as we're going through this list, this is a good primer because pretty soon we're going to be getting into the Dark Book 98, which is once again, Wizard is deciding to get into all the villains and like determine what makes the best kind of villains. So that's going to be a fun discussion. So that's just something for you guys to keep in mind. That'll be fun. Uh, next is Juggernaut. Great villain, but it was either him or Doomsday and Doomsday would mop the floor with him. Agreed. I only know him from the cartoon, and he was such another goofball with the, you know, he loses his helmet, and he's like, where am I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he... he is unstoppable but he doesn't have like doomsday can regenerate he can do all that plus at a certain point doomsday actually gets smarter i don't think you know kane marco ever gets smarter you know <laughs> kingpin speaking of smarter a poor man's lex luther only fatter <laughs> but what i think is 
nowadays with D'Onofrio's portrayal in Daredevil on Netflix and now like going into Echo and everything else, like I think Kingpin beats Lex Luthor in most people's mind these days for like scary, ruthless. Yes, I, I would agree with you there. Lex Luthor hasn't been scary in a long time, if ever. <laughs> yeah, entertaining maybe, not scary. Entertaining, yeah, yeah. Next is Prometheus. He takes out Superman, Batman, and the JLA. And what takes him out? A kick to the nads by Catwoman. Next time, wear a cup, pal. I don't know what they're referencing, but I must know, Adam. Yeah, you got to read some of those early, I think around Starts, like it, nine or 10 somewhere. Yeah, I thought it was like in the early teens maybe yeah, yeah but red skull he's a shadow being that currently terrorizes beachcombers what more needs to be said huh that must have been a mark wade thing in captain america bringing back the red skull a beachcomber call him a shadow being i don't know he's a nazi for god's sake he's terrifying taskmaster he's interested in training hired muscle and making some dough not in duking it out Given the opportunity, he'll run from any fight. I only know the Taskmaster from the movies. Adam, are you? I am not a huge fan, uh, but my buddy Jeff at nlogan77 on X, he loves the Taskmaster, especially because I think George Perez designed the look and everything he for him. He looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But but I, I, yeah, I don't understand all his like psychology because yeah, in the movie, very different, right? Yeah. In Black Widow, right? But in this case, I just think it's weird because, you know, Taskmaster has the ability, right, to mimic anybody's like learn yeah. their fighting style, but he's not in it for like pride. He's in it for cash, they're saying. So I guess when you are an egomaniac, you go farther. Yes. <laughs> and lots of the people that made the made list did. All right. Finally, Venom. Much cooler than Carnage, but nowhere near as tough or dangerous. I guess because he became, you know, a lethal protector. He's got some morality to him. Nobody's scared. Yeah, he's he's a good guy now, I feel like. He doesn't count at all. I think, uh, yeah, there's no way. Speaking of which, I just saw like there's they said they released like a teaser poster for Venom 3, like with a new logo. And I'm like, that's actually happening. Okay, like I like the oh, first yeah. two, second one a little less. But I didn't even I, see the second. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's just kind of like, okay, we got carnage in this thing. But yeah, the first one I thought was just so bonkers and fun. I like that. All right. Well, that being the case, now that we've finally found out who the wannabes were that uh just not quite making the cut, we are going to find out who made the cut for the wizard giveaways as we check out Cap's kooky contests. So our first one here is the dress up Deadpool contest. It's funny, the image that they're actually showing is Deadpool like Amazing Fantasy 15. He's holding some guy in a suit as he's swinging on a rope. But I want to find out what this is all about. As far as what you can win, one wisecrack and assassin wins the brand new Deadpool bust, a cool Deadpool t-shirt, an assortment of Deadpool comic products, including the Deadpool Mission Improbable trade paperback, reprinting the first five issues of the Deadpool series, Deadpool team-up starring Whittle Wade, the Wacky Activity book Baby's First Deadpool book, and the A to Z sourcebook encyclopedia Deadpoolica, and a Deadpool poster. So this is all the stuff they were hyping like a few issues back when they were talking about Deadpool month. So that's the grand prize. First prize, two Renegades. <laughs> Each skate away with a Deadpool t-shirt, the Deadpool Mission Improbable trade paperback, Deadpool team up starring Little Wade, and a Deadpool poster. Second prize, five bounty hunters. Each win a copy of the Deadpool Mission Improbable trade paperback and a Deadpool poster. I'm curious to know what the poster was. Either way here, all, what you got to do to win. 
Well, they say all you gotta do to win is get your markers and pens out and dress good old Deadpool up for Halloween. Here's the kicker. You have to dress Deadpool as one of your favorite Marvel characters. Can you imagine Deadpool dressed in Spider-Man's costume? Or how about if he was belted by gamma rays and turned into the Hulk? Just make sure that in some way your creation is recognizable as Deadpool. Now get drawn. Halloween's right around the corner. Can you think of who you would dress him up as if you had the artistic skill? Who do you think you would uh, make him look like? Jubilee. Jubilee. <laughs> Just throw oh. a jacket on. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It's pretty pretty simple design. Um, I don't know. I bet he would get a kick out of being dressed as Pace Pot Pete. Oh, can he, we can we off. go to DC and dress him as Batman? Yeah, Deadpool Batman would be pretty entertaining as well. The contest is sponsored by Marvel Entertainment, and there's nothing better you could get for Halloween than a comic book. Did you ever get a comic? This year, my daughter did. Oh. Yeah, she got she actually got like a Halloween Archie comic. That's great. Yeah, I was shocked. I think I got like a little um it was a Captain America one. It was really small. That's what I remember. Um, At a certain point yeah. they were they were selling these tiny ones you could drop I, in. But... Yeah, so I did actually get a really tiny Captain America one. And it just and I, I have like the actual comic that cover they used for the tiny one was from. I, I don't know the history of that tiny comic. And mine is now gone. It's stolen. So I mean, honestly, if I had gotten a comic, that house would have been my favorite. Like, I would have been out there defending it against anybody yeah. egging it. Like, no, they understand us here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get to our legal text jokes. The improbable legal text here. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Entertainment, Marvel Entertainment, their immediate families, and Charlie Brown. He's got bad luck at Hollywood. Halloween. What? So then give him a break. Let him enter the contest. Let him win something. All right, here we go. Wizard Entertainment is now responsible for lost, late, misdirected, or mutilated entries, or for the fact that you get pennies and apples while trick-or-treating. <laughs> and there actually is an extra one here. It says winners will be notified no later than December 25th, 1998. Yeah, it's Christmas. So what? If an entrant having been declared as a winner does not accept the prize or the prize notification is undeliverable, another entry will be selected and the editors of the Deadpool may drive to your house, throw eggs at you and shaving cream your little <laughs> brother. Like they're just cramming as many as they can in this oh, one. I, I love it. it. <laughs> let's get into our next contest here mike why don't you take us into that one all right the next contest is a uh oh so scary witchblade contest grand prize winner one stephen king what one stephen king wins a page of original witchblade art by the book's new regular penciler randy green all the different cover versions of the songs of witchblade a soundtrack to the comic book music cd signed by the various artists a complete set of Witchblade action figures, including at least one of the exclusive figures, and the Witchblade Darkness Family Ties Collected Edition, signed by creators Mark Silvestri and Michael Turner. So that was the grand prize. The first prize, 10 Clive Barkers each win the Witchblade action figure and the Witchblade Darkness Family Ties Collected Edition, signed by creators Mark Silvestri and Michael Turner. That really threw me off. This 10 Clive Barkers and one Steven. I was like, what is this sentence? <laughs> I'm sure that it's going to make more sense when we find out what you have to do that to enter. That's it. I'm, I, it. Exactly. But do you have a preference, Stephen King, Clive Barker, as far as novels, horror novels? Well, back here, this is just Stephen King on one side and further down is Clive Barker. And I think it's literally a split half and half. But I would say I tend to lean more towards Clive Barker. Oh, I read a lot more Clive Barker than Stephen King. Like whatever I have here is what I've read of Stephen King, maybe a few others as well. But Clive, I tried to read all of his stuff. 
Interesting. Okay. How about you? I've never read a Stephen King book. Okay. I've never read a Clive Barker book, so I have to go on the movies based on their works. And... Okay. Well, there's so much more Stephen King, though. Yes, but is it good? I just find, like, if I'm going to go to any of their movies, like, okay, the Stephen King It miniseries for the 90s, I really like. You know, that that's a nostalgic favorite. But, like, if I'm looking for actual horror that interests me and entertains me, I love Hellraiser 2. I just yeah, think that is such a cool movie. I love the visuals. I love everything about that movie. So I, I, I love those movies. And Nightbreed, I'm a huge fan of the Nightbreed comic series as well. So I'm Clive Barker all the way. I, I'm, I'm totally on your side with that one. All right. So winning these great prizes is easier than saying trick or treat. It's Halloween time and nothing says Halloween like a real scary ghost story. So here's what you have to do to win the goods. Write a ghost story starring Sarah Pazzini. Make it real scary. The scarier, the better. Just don't make it too long because we have to read them all. The ones that give us goosebumps will be chosen as the winners. Just make sure to include Sarah in your story. Get to it, Dean Koontz. <laughs> Just going to name every author of something slightly scary. Okay. I, you know, I feel bad for the people. It takes a lot to write something. We're working on a project together and I'm supposed to write an eight page story. It's taking me weeks to just put pen to paper, Adam. I don't, these people are putting, I don't know how much effort into this story for some wizard staffer to glance at it. <laughs> when inspiration strikes, I feel like people got a story in them. They're like, oh, I get to finally send my story into somebody and they'll read it. You that's know, like, true. Maybe that's what it's all about. Now, as far as the legal text here, this is horrific lawyer stuff. And the contest is sponsored by those swell folks at Top Cow Productions. But it says here... Contest open to anyone except employees of Wizard Entertainment, Top Cow Productions, their immediate families, and Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Why are you picking on our good buddy Michael Myers? <laughs> are there people that feel like that? Like, no, Laurie's the villain. <laughs> I think about myself. Like, if I was reading this, like, I would have known who Michael Myers was. But what about the few people that actually read it and were like, Why is Jamie Lee Curtis? Why do you know what? I <laughs> What, what, what does she do to them that she can't there's, enter their contest? There's the odd kid that would have read this and not known who Jamie Curtis is. I didn't know about the Halloween movies really like where I understood them until I was like, you know, probably in college, I would say. Oh, so I was, I was watching them by this point, but these jokes would have gone over my head for sure. All right. Wizard Entertainment is not responsible for lost, late, misdirected entries or entries mutilated by Jason Voorhees. Aren't you dead yet? <laughs> Finally, if an entrant, having been declared as a winner, does not accept the prize or the prize or prize notification is undeliverable, another entry will be selected, and Freddy Krueger will haunt your dreams. <laughs> All right, Freddy versus Jason, where do you fall on that? Uh, what, the movie? Or who should no, win? Just, just the characters. Who, who do you lean towards most? Oh, that's tough. That's, that's tough. I'm going to say Freddy... Only because he was my go-to when I was sick. My mom would always rent me Freddy movies if I was stayed home sick. I was really lucky. As a, That's the coolest is, mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would beg her. I would just please. Yeah, but I do. I do like Jason. So how about you? Definitely Freddy. Again, if we're talking hit percentages here, like yeah. Freddy's got the hits. There's only like one stinker, I would say, and it's not even number two. I think number five. The dream child, not good. I, I, was, I don't know. I 
I, I kind of like them all. Like they even the bad ones, I, I just enjoy. <laughs> yeah, they all have some cool scene. That's true. But like overall, like five, I'm just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I do not enjoy this. But now that we're uh, talking about our favorite horror icons, it's time to get into the top 10 heroes and villains. Huh? No, this is not just a regular top 10 heroes and villains list. This is the top 10 heroes and villains death scenes. Uh, All right, so great. Wizard says, hey, it's Halloween. So in the ever popular blood and guts tradition of the holiday, we proudly present comics top 10 gory, grisly deaths. When we check out, dear God, let's hope it's not in a way that looks like any of these. <laughs> All right, why don't you give us our first one here? Savior Splat is number one. Ouch. The descendant of Jesus and some poor random soldier guy get blattered by 800 pounds of ugly fat in the form of All Father Deronic falling from a helicopter in Preacher 24. I never read it, but this now I'm like, why haven't I read Preacher? This looks awesome. <laughs> I bet Preacher would be right up your alley. I've read like I, the first two trades and I'm like, it's pretty twisted stuff, you know? <laughs> I think the last episode I said I would do Kabuki, which I've been doing it's it's a bit out there for me it's a bit uh, too poetic but uh, you know i i love the art now i'm gonna jump into preacher now that i've had my taste of kabuki so <laughs> all right number two 31 flavors of death yeah 90s kids remember this one for sure convicted child killer and former ice cream man billy kincaid just got sprung from the joint on a technicality but when billy starts going after children again and spawn's daughter little cyan simmons in particular it ain't like spawn is just gonna sit by and watch it all happen spawn dishes out justice to billy by giving him a double scoop of his own medicine in spawn number five now that's cold man spawn started out with a bang yeah this should be number one this is so memorable people homage this moment still to this day i think it was in local man recently all right number three killer smile how psycho is psycho just ask the joker Batman's going to stop just short of killing him. So the Joker twists his own neck to snap his own friggin' spine in Batman. The Dark Knight returns number three. It's a pretty good way to go out. It is. Deny Batman his vengeance or putting you in jail one more time. All right. Number four. Tough love. Teen Titan Jericho, usually a nice quiet fellow, was kind of possessed by the souls of Azeroth, and them souls are kind of bent on taking over Earth and stuff? Who's there to save the day? Deathstroke the Terminator, who runs Jericho through the heart with a sword. Bonus points, Deathstroke is Jericho's father. <laughs> oh, it's harsh, man. New I don't know. Like, I don't know. I guess the fact that it's his father killing him is a big deal, but I, it's just a knife through the heart. Well, but if you look at him, he's possessed by demons and his body is like shriveling and gross. So I think there there is a supernatural element to it, maybe. All right. You sold me. (laughs) (laughs) But this this one's my favorite. Number five. I was talking about this on, was it the episode recently? Yeah, Yeah. you mentioned it on the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number five. Head first. Tommy the mobster gets the violator's fist and a gun shoved through the back of his head and out of his mouth in violator number one. And like I said said on the main episode clown carries that head around on his arm it's so great i love it adam 
Well, and Alan Moore wrote that series, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's wild. Number six is Seasons Bleedings. The Easter Bunny is not too crazy about all the competition he's been getting from a certain jolly holiday icon and well-known chimney diver. So he contracts Lobo to whack Santa Claus. The main man ain't going to get nothing but coal in his stocking after the Lobo paramilitary Christmas special. And to all, a good night. This is one of my favorite Christmas comics. And you've seen someone actually did a fan film of it. Like a long time ago, too. Like it's old, but it looks good still. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this one's great. All right, seven. Snap, crackle, pop. After being damaged, something fierce in combat. Guardian's battle suit short circuits and he burns alive. Smells like Canadian bacon to us in Alpha Flight number 12. This was a huge moment for me when I read it. Like, it was shocking. I didn't, I couldn't believe they killed the main character. If they're going to do it, do it all the way, right? Not like a mystery, like, oh, maybe they'll come back. It's like, no, he's burnt to a crisp. Like, yeah. wow. My dream in life is to be able to, like, write an Alpha Flight movie, and I would love to see this happen. I've always dreamed that. <laughs> That'd be sweet. Number eight, on ice. A major badass and a major force ain't too happy. So he kills Kyle Rayner's girlfriend, Alex, and stuffs her in the fridge for Kyle to find. It's chilly stuff in Green Lantern number 54. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and uh, Ron Mars has had to answer for it ever since. <laughs> All right, number nine, drive through, drive by. Here's an order that's not on the menu. A giant grotesque fat guy gets shot to bits and then blown up by a grenade at a burger bucket franchise in Hitman 24. Pass the napkins, please. Somebody just got blown up real good. Okay. Yeah, uh, okay. All right, but our last one here, number 10, Dog Eat Dog. Marv cuts the legs off of Kevin the Cannibal and lets Kevin's dog eat him to death on the first Sin City yard. See Dark Horse Presents number 62, a report for obedience training. You want sick and twisted, I feel like Frank Miller could do it in the name of justice in his mind. <laughs> And just as effective in the movie itself, too. You're just That's like, true. Ah, yeah, yeah. Robert Rodriguez did a good job bringing that moment to life. Now that we've uh, talked about all these grizzly seeds, it's time to lighten things up with a little bit of silliness and check out our Mort of the Month. So this time around, it is IQ. This character, just to describe them, they've, they've got an ascot, a purple jacket, white kind of old-timey cowboy gloves or Punisher gloves, I don't know, and then rocket boots of some sort. <laughs> Let's see what this is about here. IQ, Ira Quimby, or IQ, get it? There is initials, was a stupid criminal who somehow got really, really smart when he came near an alien rock. With his sudden burst of intelligence, IQ crafted amazing devices to commit crimes, which invariably led to his getting his ass handed to him by Hawkman repeatedly. And like every good DC supervillain, IQ sports white gloves and scarf by Giorgio of Beverly Hills, shades from the 1973 Superfly catalog, boot jets borrowed from Wiley e. Coyote, and what looks like a load in his pants <laughs> iq <laughs> looks like this guy could use a few more points this is strange he looks like a director gone wrong i don't know why this is the style but fighting hawk man i don't know but his rogues gallery was very impressive so <laughs> <laughs> so 
So last time around, we didn't read the top 10 heroes and villains. And we did have a listener who actually commented like, you would have to keep covering the top 10 heroes and villains on the mini episodes. Okay. We missed one and they couldn't handle it. So it's back. It's back. Don't worry. We're here to uh, to entertain. But speaking of entertaining, in Wizard Every Month, they have their pick section and they highlight the comics that they think are going to be the most entertaining for the readers. But they also, at the very end, usually add something called more picks, which is, I almost feel like at a video rental store or something, it's kind of like staff picks, you know, or at a bookstore where they yeah. highlight what they think is the best so this is called gore picks and we decided that we were going to read a couple of these suggestions for our robins reading rainbow All right, so Mike, when you were looking over this list, what were the titles that were jumping out to you before we settled on what we decided to read? The obvious choice would have been Batman The Long Halloween, which I, I need to do another reread of. But I think I mentioned to you the one I wanted to read the most for this podcast was Dracula, Lord of the Undead. I was mostly curious about that. It's a bit of a blind spot for me. I think in the 90s, I thought all the Marvel horror characters were just cheesy and I would just avoid them. I'd stick to my Hellraiser and Nightbreed comics. But I ended up really, really liking this. And this may be my first foray into Marvel's Dracula. So this is you you had never gone back to Tomb of Dracula, anything like that? Never. Like I, I grab them if I see them in the dollar bins, but I, I haven't like read them. I don't have a run of them. So I, I wasn't familiar. Me neither. Like I, I have gone back when we were getting ready to uh, cover Blade on 90s Super Cinema on our Patreon. I went back and read the Blade issues of, you know, Tomb of Dracula where he debuted. So I was getting familiar there. And then I have like this comic. It's like X-Men versus Dracula because there was a whole story where he got mixed up with them in one of their okay, annuals. Yeah. So I, I've, I've gone through and seen him there, but I've always just thought like, well, he just looks like Vincent Price. He never seemed like he was intimidating, but he's like this villain that is the star of the comic and always wins. And that's yeah. what is fascinating to me that they would publish for so long this story. Like the humans are fighting him, but ultimately they're not going to win. Dracula comes out on top. There's a reason he survived for all these centuries. And you're just like, wow. <laughs> so reading this, I, I wasn't sure what to expect, but it's just, it's a three issue miniseries. What struck you first as you started to like recognize, okay, this is how they're presenting the character. I, I wish I had no more knowledge of him because it felt like it really was picking up from another series and he was returning, right? It's Dracula returning and he finds his castle in disarray and, also, the other thing that, that kind of threw me off was, you know, I've heard of Lilith. I didn't know anything about her, but she plays a pretty significant role in this story, and which is uh, Dracula's daughter. Well, and she shows up in like Ghost Rider comics and other stuff. And I, I just... I didn't know much about her, but she kind of is the villain of this yeah, well, story. Yeah, and I was wondering, yeah. like, 
is it the same Lilith or is it just his daughter's name was Lilith? Oh. Maybe, maybe there's a, a different mythology between the characters. But what I really liked about this is the story is, yeah, Dracula, he's most upset that his castle has been defiled, specifically <laughs> that his second wife's painting of her, <laughs> that he wanted to come get some comfort uh, by observing once again has been stolen. And so all of his stuff in his castle was ransacked for an auction so he ends up going to an auction house and <laughs> like, yes, it's everything that inspired the films and the literature and all this stuff and so then he shows up and he's like no you will not he hypnotizes everybody and sends them away so that's like that's just like a fun little side thing but also there's this storyline going on about this guy who's like developing this serum to get rid of vampirism. And so the idea is that if you inject a vampire with it, they no longer can accept blood. They and they'll will just die. die. It, it, it's it's very horrifying. As cheesy as Dracula's motivations are, the actual thing that's happening, kind of the B-plot, is really shocking for a vampire. Yeah, for a vampire. And, and what happens is Dracula, like, gets shot with a dart and yeah. he gets infected with it. But you don't find out till a couple issues in. It just seems like a nuisance. Like, somebody tried to kill him and they didn't aim for his heart. He's like, ah, oh, this fool didn't know what to do. And then later on, all of a sudden, now he's infected because it becomes this virus now. They test it. They let a vampire bite a human woman and then... You know, he can't drink her blood, so she gets away, but she's infected now, and then she infects her husband, and then everybody in town is all of a sudden, there's like this plague going on, and so Dracula has to team up with the scientist who created that formula initially to figure out an antidote, but Lilith was the one that hired the scientist in the first place, and she ends up killing him, and now Dracula's oh. like, what are you doing? Like, I'm infected, I'm gonna die, he was my only hope. You know, there's so many twists, but it's really well done. I agree. It was very shocking to me how good this was, how fun of a read this was. Yeah. Now, by comparison, however, the one that I picked was The Girl Who Would Be Death. This is a Vertigo comic, so I was like, oh, it's going to be related to Death and the Sandman, the cover. It actually looked like Margot Robbie, that maybe like a more ghoulish version of Harley Quinn. I was like, oh, what yeah. is this? It, it, it is a striking resemblance. Yeah, it's really strange. You know, she wasn't even on the map at this point. Yeah. This book, though, it's it's not written by Neil Gaiman. It's just it's written by a woman that he like kind of handpicked and said, hey, would you write this? Yeah, I, I'd never heard of her work before. Caitlin R. Kiernan. The artist is Dean Ormston. And the basic idea is that there's these two lesbian lovers they're young, they're kind of into the occult, sort of, and they had this other guy, Billy, that they loved, but he got killed by these cultists, like they were kidnapped, and then they want death to bring Billy back for them. Mm -hmm. And so they've got this kind of whole underworld, like set up their own club. And like one of them is really uh, kind of intense. Her name is Plath. And so they get this book. That is like this book, it's probably in the Sandman comics and I'm just forgetting, but it has like all these like details about mysticism and what to do. But inside the book is one of Death's onk, like, you know, the silver onk necklace thing. What happens then, Mike? Like once she has those things. In I, I only read the first issue. I, yeah. I They spend the entire first issue basically convincing this dude to hand over the book to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a great first issue, but by the end I was like, hey okay she she can now bring forth death to resurrect her lover so she thinks and yeah. really what happens i mean this thing is so dragged out 
it could have uh, been two issues. It's everybody talking and moping. It's very so much talking. It's very... Can we also talk about how at the beginning, I feel like these writers think they're Neil Gaiman. And I'm like, God, just give me a story. It's so much description. Yeah, it's just like so descriptive. And you're just like, no, you know, it's not a novel. This it's is not a, a novel. There's yeah. a picture here. <laughs> yeah, but ultimately what happens, it's one of those stories like that you've seen in like a million horror movies and everything else, which is you're tampering in the realm of a demon or whoever else. You think you can usurp their power, that you can have power over them if you have these like secret details. And instead what it does is Plath is dead and her body is like rotting more and more and she thinks that she can control death but really like she's just losing her grip on reality being like evil to everyone around her who supported her including her lover and then by the end like because death never shows up there's there's not like a secret appearance by death they don't summon her there's none of that but her lover ends up taking on the persona of death and it turns out she was always like sensitive to those things saw death when she was a child on the roadside at an accident, apparently waiting to guide somebody who had just died and said it was the first woman she ever fell in love with. And so she dresses like death and then she kind of comes back and ends Plath's like reign of terror. And it, it's, it's just too much. It's too much. And it's not, there's not enough going on like throughout the whole thing where you're just like, yammer, 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 talk, talk, talk. But there's not like shocking moments really. There's just, it's just kind of like, okay, eventually somebody's going to be warded i guess you know so uh what would you give it a, a b a c i mean the girl would be death gets a d for a doll oh wow okay yeah okay. but i mean dracula lord of the undead i'd definitely give like an a minus it wasn't like like the coolest thing i've ever read but it was no. very well done yeah i would say a b plus for sure yeah yeah, so that was fun, though, just to dig into some horror comics. I wanted to jump over to just to something a little extra here. This is the benefit of doing the Wizards half episodes. We can just kind of get into whatever we missed. So in the Homemade Heroes section, they also decided to stick with the horror theme. All horror-related action figures. Are people just submitting horror characters that aren't even in comics, like, to Wizard? Like, that's what I thought was strange. For example, tell them what the grand prize winner is here, Mike. The grand prize winner was uh, Reggie from Phantasm, which is such a deep cut at this time, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> a comic book fan, I don't know if this would resonate with them. Like, my dad would know, have no clue who this was. This is what they say. Yeah, we didn't know who this guy was either until we did some research. But it's Reggie from Phantasm. Anyway, it doesn't matter who he is because he's fantastic. And would you believe that? This is a fully posable nine-inch figure with real yak hair even. The detail of this freshly sculpted figure is unreal. It is really nice. It's like a sideshow figure. Or not sideshow. What's that other company? Um, Hot Toys. Hot Toys. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's definitely like it feels professionally made, you know, where you're just like, hmm, is this guy is a this, ringer? Is this Reggie from like Phantasm 4 or like 2? I don't remember this look, right? Because he's just I like don't... an average. And this one, he's got like a, a Captain Jack Sparrow look. I don't know. Like it looks like one of the pirates that would be yeah, hanging I out. really... I really watched the first one the most, so I'm, it, it's like, maybe it's three or four, yeah. I don't yeah, know. he must have gone through some evolution. Now, honorable mentions this time around, they have, at this time, just called Killer 
from Scream. He wasn't ghost-faced yet, apparently. And they say, talk about Eerie. The terrifying Scream killer swoops into action after being reborn from a Kenner Star Wars Imperial Guard and some help from Plastiline, normal sculpting tools, and an airbrush. And he says, Gah! I just saw Marla Brando eat a kitten. Hole! <laughs> I will say the person added in a little something extra in the background is they they must have cut it out from an ad, but it's yeah. like the eyes, like the close up on the eyes from the poster, the VHS. That's pretty cool. You know, this is before like movie maniacs are just being advertised, I think, in this issue for the to- the upcoming toy fair. Yeah. You could tell people had a, a want for these horror figures. Next is Freddy from A Nightmare on Elm Street by Joe Moore the Third of Knoxville, Tennessee. The blood curdle hellish demonic and just plain evil freddy strip the flesh from a mcfarland toys maskless spawn figure and the deadly claws are sharpened vicious painted toothpicks (laughs) attached with clay i want this many cupcakes is what freddy is saying in the caption yeah i mean freddy is looking i mean a little disheveled here that's kind of his deal but nothing seems off i'm trying to figure out what it is it's just like the sweater is too bulky like that yeah it's 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 very big it's very big but that was the style in the 90s adam big jeans (laughs) the hat i think is what's throwing it off the most it looks like a cowboy hat yeah instead of freddy's fedora Next one here, Belasco, Tim Davis of Alabaster, Alabama, and it says, This X-Men villain, Belasco, ventures out of that dreadful limbo place from a Toy Biz Kylan figure and some Super Sculpey. Oh, Kylan. But anyway, he just says, Aussie rules! <laughs> He's got like a pentagram on his chest. But yeah, I mean, it looks That's nice. Cool. Got a decent yeah. cape, and yeah. I could see that on shelves. <laughs> Right, the, this would be the last one. Baby Death by T. Lawrence of Norfolk, United Kingdom. Check out this version of Death in the form of Disney's Little Pocahontas from Mattel Toys. See, Disney can even spin Death in a cute way. Damn, they're good. I'm a dead baby. There's no humor to be found here. <laughs> I do like that they like because it's got the detail. She's got the onk necklace and all that. Like even the eyes have like every like fine little swirl of the mascara. But they also put two candles next to her and like yeah. this interesting kind of like stone backdrop. It looks like it must be the top of like a jewelry case or something. I don't know. It looks like she's doing a seance. Like I, I really like the effort that went into the the whole shebang here. This feels like it could be like a mystery mini or something. Found yeah, that topic easily. Definitely, you know, we don't talk about the homemade heroes very often because it's a visual thing, but we'll share this on social media so that you can all have a peek and enjoy. Before we go, though, I did want to just do a little bit of a correction. Uh, You know, we are not journalists here, but when we're reporting on the stuff that we're finding in Wizard, if we find something that we stated inaccurately, why not correct it if we can, especially when it involves Rob Liefeld. So in this episode, we actually did have a whole situation where we said, oh, you know, Rob Liefeld is promising that Evangeline is coming back and Alan Moore is going to write her and it's going to be all these years later, she's going to be in rough shape, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of made fun of the fact, you know, just based on his track record that it didn't come out the way he promised. I went back and glanced over that news piece again. I realized it was two separate reports within there. The, you know, the title of the news piece made it sound as though it was 
Alan Moore coming back to write Evangeline, and that's not the case. It does say Rob Liefeld and Robert Napton were writing the Evangeline story, and then after that, it was saying that there were some Alan Moore stories that he had written for Youngblood and a couple other things that didn't get printed because of the financial issue, but they're saying it's something that's going to be called Awesome Adventures, and it does actually see print. It is something that you could buy, you know, on the secondary market these days. So shame on us for not paying closer attention. And, uh, you know, usually Rob's bad, but this time are bad. Anyway, that does it for the mini episode this time around. You know, we've gotten a chance to, to jump around the issue and talk about what we found most interesting. But we have some stuff coming up for you. So first things first. New month, new episode of The Wizard Files. You've been waiting for it. That's right. It's finally time for the Eric Larson interview. So that is going to kick off the month for you. Interesting conversation. I, I can't wait to get the reaction from everybody. <laughs> to see just his responses they, were, they weren't bad it was just kind of like okay i don't know if we were expecting it to go this direction necessarily so he's a quiet guy <laughs> absolutely yeah and then after that uh we are going to be talking about the dark book 98 as we said and then we'll be continuing to close out the 98 year as we get into uh, issue 88 of the magazine which there's a whole lot of dr doom floating around these days i don't know what was going on but i mean he's on the cover of the dark book he's on the cover of 88 so something is going on here where they really thought he was due for a big push. Maybe Marvel was feeding him information. We'll see. So also make sure you're over on the YouTube channel uh, because we've got our comic card crazy series that is continuing. So by this point, you will have seen up to Marvel Universe Series 3 cards that we opened up. So that was a lot of fun. We're going to Series 4 and then we're jumping into a new theme as well. Mike even has a couple packs of cards that we're going to be opening up together. So that'll be neat. I'm curious, just Speaking of trading cards and all of that, was there a series you were really dedicated to, comics or no? Oh, Adam, you're opening up a big conversation here. I have all my cards right below here. My dad would buy the boxes as they came out. So Marvel Series 1, Series 2. I think he dropped out at Series 3, so I had to collect them myself just by buying packs at the local card shop. And then uh, Marvel Masterpieces he's bought, 1 and 2. So I got all of them, plus I have all the foils, everything. I have them all, all the X-Men. I think I was most dedicated to the X-Men ones, the Fleers. Oh, interesting, okay. So many duplicates of that one. Like, it's like crazy. All right. Well, you may have to get into those down the line. Some of our patrons, because we've been releasing, like they got the full series of Comic Card Crazy before anybody else. And so they were saying like, oh, like maybe you could do some X-Men cards. That would be cool. It's like, okay, okay. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. see if we can find a pack here and there. But speaking of Patreon, there's so much to be had uh, these days. Like we had 90s Super Cinema where we just talked about The Shadow and now Batman and Robin. So if you're curious to get our thoughts on that film, of course, you could also again. Uh, your full scans of the issues so you could have been reading ahead so you could get in on that and have um, all the previous issues we've been covering this year just to flip through and so there's there's a lot to be had on patreon five dollars a month you're supporting the podcast helps us grow and move on with a lot more projects that we have going so whether you stick here on the main feed or go over to patreon uh, we will be back we're happy to entertain and bring that 90s uh, nostalgia to you but in the meantime keep your books bagged and boarded
This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.